0: Guys, we just got back from the store, the grocery store, the normal grocery store that we normally go to, and they had the brand of paper towels that we normally buy.
1: Exciting.
0: Guys, guys, That's- this is the new heaven.
1: <laughs> Three restart.
0: People don't get in my personal space and I can get paper towels. Aloha. Aloha and hello.
1: And hello And
0: hello Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss. We didn't even introduce ourselves in the first try. We didn't get around there. All right. Podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia, chapter by chapter. We're reading the books in the wrong order, but we'll deal with that bridge when we come to it. At the moment, we are at the ultimate, ultimate chapter. chapter. The Whoa. final chapter.
1: That's pretty epic. Of
0: the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe.
1: This is it. We Isn't got exciting? there. exciting? We it's... did. We made it. Four and a half months.
0: Uh, yeah, 17 weeks plus one in quarantine, 18 weeks Whew. since we started the this chapter.
1: It's been a project.
0: It's been a thing. Yep. All right, well... Um, <laughs>
1: That clever banter aside, who are you?
0: I'm an Iron Tree, also known as Kristen. Wow. And this is my co host.
1: I'm King Chris the Exasperated. <laughs>
0: Wow, no. <laughs> this is the first time that you've made up your own thing.
1: Well, it was in naming conventions. I thought the the final chapter. I was I was thinking you were going to be queen of something, and I could give you king of something because oh. that's how gender roles work. Yeah. Um. And.
0: Or I could be king of something.
1: <laughs> you could be if you wanted to.
0: And you know, you could be a courtesan.
1: <laughs> wow, I don't even get queen. I get courtesan. <laughs> this is the uh, this is the royal court that way. Kristen wants it.
0: <laughs> I am king.
1: Um. (laughs) Anyway, uh, this is a big chapter. A lot of stuff happens. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, Very dense. And it was really, really hard to actually nail down a summary for this chapter.
0: Oh, yes. So our first section of what we do in this podcast is that we, throughout our reading, pull out five-ish, usually five.
1: Always five.
0: I have once done six (laughs) without you knowing. Why? <laughs> I don't even remember which chapter it was. I think it was in the in the other book in Magician's Nephew.
1: Why you got to break the podcast like that? I
0: it didn't. I don't. I don't. I don't even remember if I actually did it or not. Yeah. Um Anyway, and one time in my rewrite, I only did four sentences. So. Cool. When we started it, it was a three to five sentence. Okay, whatever. Start. Yep. Stop being so grumpy. Uh huh. Look, it's not hot. <laughs> the kids on the scooters finally shut up. Mm hmm. It's 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 good. We're good.
1: Yep. Anyway, go on. Get into yours.
0: All right. You want me to go first?
1: Looks like you have a lot of stuff to read.
0: There. Yeah, it's a lot. Well, like you said, it's a really dense chapter. No. So I picked sentences that, as best I could, covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Um. So yeah, is it? Oh, you want me to read? Go for it. I. Most of the enemy had been killed in the first charge of Aslan and his companions, and when those who were still living saw that the witch was dead, they either gave themselves up or took flight. For then, in the great hall of Caraparavel, that wonderful hall, with the ivory roof and the west wall hung with peacock's feathers, and the eastern door which looks towards the sea, In the presence of all their friends and to the sound of trumpets, Aslan solemnly crowned them and led them to the four thrones amid deafening shouts of long live King Peter. Long live Queen Susan, long live King Edmund, long live Queen Lucy. So they lived in great joy, and if ever they remembered their lives in this world, it was only as one remembers a dream. Then, said King Peter, for they talked in quite a different style now, having been kings and queens for so long. Fair consorts, let us now alight from our horses and follow this beast into the thicket, for in all my days I never hunted a nobler quarry. And the next moment they came tumbling out of a wardrobe door into the empty room and they were no longer kings and queens in their hunting array, but just Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy in their old clothes. There you go.
1: Uh, The first two sentences we chose the same. We almost had the last sentence the same as well, but I decided to change it up at the last minute because I was like, Kristen's going to pick this one. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we almost had three sentences in the same place, the same, which would be a record for us.
0: It would be a record. Um, did we discuss this chapter's title is The Hunting of the White Stag? Uh,
1: not yet, but that's that's the chapter title if you're reading along with this. Hunting of the White Stag, uh, not the most important thing that happens in this chapter.
0: It's not. Have you done research on white stags?
1: Uh... I, I know, like, albinism is a fairly rare occurrence uh, in most animals. <laughs> all right. so All right. So I'll go ahead and do mine. Uh, I'll add my voice to the first two sentences, which are the same. Do it. Here we go. Most of the enemy had been killed in the first charge of Aslan and his companions, and when those who were still living saw that the witch was dead, they either gave themselves up or took to flight. For then in the great hall of Care Paravel, that wonderful hall with the ivory roof and the west wall hung with peacocks' feathers, and the eastern door which looks toward the sea, in the presence of all their friends and to the sound of trumpets, Aslan solemnly crowned them and led them to the four thrones amid deafening shouts of Long live King Peter, long live Queen Susan, long live King Edmund, long Long live live Queen Lucy! Lucy. These two kings and two queens govern Narnia well, and long and happy was their reign. And more, said Queen Lucy, for it will not go out of my mind that if we pass this post and lantern, either we shall find strange adventures or else some great change of our fortunes. Yes, of course you'll go back to Narnia again someday.
0: Ah, interesting. Interesting choice. I almost choose once a king of Narnia, always yeah, a king of Narnia. That was, that I almost... was up there, too. It was a, the last sentence
1: was a hard one. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's just dive into it. Uh, we've got a lot of points to hit on.
0: Well, all right, a lot of points. What kind of points do you want to hit on specifically?
1: Uh, so I've got a, got a few of them here. Um First, I just want to point out, uh, opening the chapter, you know, we have the battle, we both read this sentence, Uh, the battle's over.
0: Can we talk about the off-screen death?
1: Yeah, which is what I was going to bring up. Um. Which, which dies off-screen in exactly the same way that Aslan dies off-screen. Which I think is interesting.
0: That, okay, thank you. Because (laughs) I I was beginning to approach this death as irredeemable.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's really (laughs) frustrating, though. Uh Uh-huh. Where it's just like, and Aslan jumped at the witch.
1: And no one
0: saw if she died. Yeah,
1: and then she was dead.
0: And then not only is she dead, but the battle is also just over. Yep. Like, the battle's a significant chunk of the movie, and I'm so glad that they invested more time into it. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a quarter of the movie, but it's not two paragraphs of the movie, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, there's good reason for that. Like, long protracted battle scenes in books are really, really hard to write well. Well, they're like, really hard
0: to follow even yeah. when they are written well. But, yeah, like...
1: Yeah, it's... And for, like, doing a long extended war scene in a book for kids is probably, like... He, I, I personally wouldn't have bothered. So yeah, I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, but, but like, also
0: you're talking about a book in which, like... We have Father Christmas saying that battles are terrible places for young women, or something like that. Uh huh. And that, or they're terrible things when women fight. But they not only like took that to the extreme, but they forced the perspective onto the female characters uh-huh. by having them go with Aslan, follow Aslan to the gates of the witch's um, palace. Yes. And then follow back to the battle with the relief army. Yeah. And just have them immediately destroy the enemy, period. Just They just ran bulldozed right over them.
1: Yeah. That's a thing. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I, I did get frustrated by the off-screen death of the witch, but then they did not cover most of the battle. Apparently, though, Edmund did a lot of stuff. So we have this moment where Edmund does things. Uh, And we talk about that, even though we don't see any of it. After the fact, we learn that, you know, it was his idea to go after the wand. Like, she was winning.
0: And that's why she wasn't using her wand in the battle with Peter, which you had mentioned. Yeah. And I had mentioned happened in the movie. Well, it had actually happened in the book. It just doesn't happen until after the (laughs) battle. It happened before, during the battle. But no, we're not going to learn about it until after the fact. It's so confusing. Like, if you're actually trying to sit down and break this battle down, you get the end of the battle before you find out anything from the beginning of the battle. Yeah. (laughs) It's written in the wrong order.
1: Kind of is. You know, Uh, like,
0: the whole book series is read in the wrong order in this case. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, so, which is winning. She's turning half the field to stone, which is kind of like, you know, what she does and seems kind of OP in her moveset. And then Edmund is, has the bright idea of, oh wait, if we disarm her, yep. maybe this will go slightly better. And that happens, and yet they're apparently they still almost lost because at that point enough of them were stoned <laughs> uh, that they didn't have much of a force left, and a bunch were terribly wounded. Uh, and but hey, we pulled it out, we won. Woo um, There's a couple of interesting lines and a couple of interesting. Uh, here, And there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about, so I'm just trying to quickly go through these and touch on them.
0: Okay, so um, after the battle happens, yeah. the, the thing that I really wanted to get on to into this entire, like this, the one thing I want to talk about in this chapter.
1: In the, the one thing? You only want to talk about one thing? The,
0: yes, this is the one. This okay. is the one for me.
1: Well, I'm glad I have stuff I want to talk about.
0: I'm glad too. <laughs> <laughs> after the battle is settling down. Uh-huh. And Lucy is brought to Edmund to treat his injury with her little cordial. Yes. That Father Christmas had given her. Uh Uh-huh. Aslan gets in her face because she wants to sit there and tend to her brother and care about her brother and make sure that he's okay. And Aslan says, must more die for Edmund
1: yeah he that's a savage line right there it
0: is (laughs) like it is so like Lucy's never seen this healing magic work before Lucy has never had an encounter with this healing magic Lucy just knows what it is supposed to do and Aslan basically slams her for not immediately just putting it on and going with Aslan trusting him that this is going to, like, that Edmund will be fine. That she mm. wants to make sure that her brother is fine and tend to him. Yeah. Um. And Aslan, just the way that he says that must more <sighs> die for Edmund. Like, yeah. oh, I got a little, like, oh, I, I don't even know fully how I emotionally engaged with that. Because I didn't, like, sit down and process it correctly. Uh-huh. But, like that whole just the way that Aslan said it like i can rationalize out that aslan is being like hey you need to trust me mm-hmm. and come with me and do what it is that i'm like requiring of you to help other people yeah but like the way that he throws that down at a child <laughs> who may who's afraid that her brother might be dying yeah. One that after she just watched Aslan get brutally murdered and then brought back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Okay, that like that's harsh. Yeah. But also, within this same little context, on the same page in my book, Lucy and Susan are having a conversation in which Lucy asks Susan, do you think that Edmund knows what Aslan did for him? Uh-huh and susan says no don't tell him and we're not going to tell him <laughs> uh-huh which i feel like completely undermines this whole like messianic figure that aslan's character has been built mm. up to be within this
1: it's an interesting departure from aslan as jesus aslan's supposed to be jesus by the way um it's an interesting <laughs> now and i think
0: that. that because edmund never told anybody what that conversation he had with aslan was i think that that was aslan straight up telling edmund what was going to happen and yeah. uh, what was going to have to happen in order to redeem him yeah and so i think that edmund knows full well
1: yeah but
0: like my question is does peter ever know what aslan did for his brother and for his family like Does Peter ever find out? I mean, I'm sure they talk
1: about it at some point.
0: Susan and Lucy see it happen, Mm -hmm. and then they agree that they shouldn't for some dumb reason tell Edmund that Aslan died for him. Why would you? I mean, (laughs) why would you after Aslan publicly shamed your sister for possibly letting another person die?
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Like why would you bring it? i have no idea why would you bring it up it's it's brought up by the context and the situation <clears throat> all right
1: again
0: that's everything on my list of things that i had to rant about Did because you it. <laughs> i don't know but yes okay so there, just just that one page in my book had so much in it that just like and then I had another emotional response to, like, the last page of my book, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't have it so well formulated into thoughts. We'll,
1: we'll get there. Um, yeah, I think that's an interesting take on the character and, like, as related to Jesus. And I think that's that shows a remarkable depth that we don't get a lot of in Aslan. Uh, and kind of parallels the character of aslan being jesus or god or you know both or whatever i'm
0: struggling with what it is that you're saying
1: i'm saying this is a good moment that adds depth to what, aslan's what character does? what this does? moment uh daughter of Eve, must other people die for Edmund. okay that moment adds depth to aslan's character and i think reinforces kind of this uh co-narrative or you know this uh i don't know what, what is the word i'm looking for that
0: uh, analogy or the, allegory the analogy of... Of, uh,
1: of him being jesus because like when we look at jesus in the bible you know he's this he's a chill guy man, and he like hangs out with you know he hangs out with sinners and like he makes lunch for everybody and gets everybody drunk and he's a really cool dude and you know is constantly being like yeah i love everybody bro just come on do it And then you also have these moments where, like... He
0: flips over the tables of the money changers and...
1: No, I wasn't going to bring that up because I hate that that is the one moment that everybody always brings up where, like, Jesus wasn't such a nice guy, he flipped over the tables. You didn't read the Bible well enough if you think that's the one moment you have to go to because he has cooler (laughs) moments than that. Sorry, that's my theology rant. And I I, I just hate how much that is brought up in sermons as, like, the one thing.
0: I'm so sorry. Can no, we just no, 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 no. redo that? No. Where I didn't say that?
1: No, sorry. This is good. This is good radio. Um, no, it's not. No. Um, what I was going to liken it to were like moments that Jesus has, where he's like, "Let the dead bury their dead," and things like that, where just Jesus is this cool guy, but then there there are these times that the curtain is kind of pulled back, and it's just like, "Oh yeah, this this is also God." Like he he has stuff going on. Yeah. Like, this is this greater figure that, like, is beyond all of this. And he, and he says things like that. Or, like, the the get-behind-me-Satan moment. Yeah. Is, is Where he turns right to his friend and
0: tells him <clears throat> off like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: so I thought that was a cool moment like that. And this made me respect the character of Aslan more. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Um, so I think Edmund knows. I agree with you. Uh, before we move on from this page, I just want to read this sentence out really quick that I thought was fun. They found Edmund in charge of Mrs. Beaver. It's, and I, I, think, I think they missed it. I think no, the no, a word it, got missed here. It
0: is, it is in the British parlance to say in charge. Uh, like... As to say, in the charge of. Yes, that's but what I was like. You th- don't have to have the the there. I Thought you
1: had to have the. the. No,
0: okay. I mean nowadays, yes. Yeah. In American English, yes. Uh huh. But like, you could say that someone was oh. left in charge of.
1: I was gonna say, that that was, I, I double taked it. That double took, double took. Is that what's the press? You you pres- had a double take. Double take at that line when I first saw it. They found him in charge of Mrs. Beaver. What? Um. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, she's caring for him because you know all the women are hanging back and you know not fighting. It'll be a bad time. So we we unstone everybody. Also,
0: let's talk about how it is you know that battles are terrible things when women fight. Yep. And talk about whether or not the witch is considered a woman in this. Yeah. And whether or not it is considered a terrible battle because she's here fighting, or if she has transcended the woman role and become monster whoa i mean like this is actually like i i'm actually getting into literary discussion now but i'll, I'll... do
1: we do that what <laughs> on this is, podcast
0: is the witch filling that because there's there's structures and forms that women fill in this kind of um archetype role mm-hmm. where there's like the woman as the young virgin the woman as the mother uh, or the woman as the monster where there's this kind of these three
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um very prevalent roles and we have kind of this idea of like well is do we have those three characters or roles represented in this book where like Lucy and Susan are the woman as child and virgin and Mrs. Beaver is the woman as mother and it's kind of Susan straddles that line where she is often mother as well mm-hmm. and where she's trying hard to span that bridge. And then we have the witch who is presented in a motherly way but is revealed to be monster. Yeah. Um. Like have, have these roles been fully stretched and explored and like at the end of the day like is this even a new story like no it's not but um like i
1: I mean it's it's one of the oldest stories in fact
0: yeah it's a very (laughs) old story um so like i don't know it's just like finding these structures within this particular book as a whole but then i'm going into full book reflection i need to stop all right
1: Uh, that's for next episode uh, and,
0: and the next one, too. Uh,
1: so we don't tell Edmund. Uh, then the battle's over. We clean up. We hail everybody. And we go to Care Paravelle. And in my book, there's a fun illustration of Care Paravel that I want to share on the Instagram. Because uh, giant, giant seagulls. <laughs> 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 like just the juxtaposition of those next to the humans in the bottom of the frame.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs>
1: those are real big seagulls.
0: Wow. <laughs> so okay. we'll post
1: that for uh, for your viewing pleasure later. Um, the artist who did all the illustrations for this book was not good. Um, hey. They're stylized- remember the lion face? Yes, the lion <laughs> face was a the thing.
0: They're stylized in a very specific way.
1: Yes. Um, so anyway, there's this thing I want to touch on. We're describing Paravel. It's on the coast, uh, you know, on a great cliff. And there's the sea and all these seagulls. And there's this weird like fugue state fourth wall breaking moment that Lewis goes into <laughs> where I thought maybe he was having an episode while writing the book where he's just like, oh, we're describing the pools of saltwater and seaweed, bluish green waves. And oh, the cry of the seagulls. Have you heard it? Do you remember? <laughs> I'm like, are you, are you asking me if, you, if I know what seagulls
0: sound like? <laughs> I'm like... I When I was trying to do my, my like, when I read the chapter was, like, two days ago. But when I was trying to actually do my um, chapter summary and rewrite today, uh-huh. I sat down and that sentence, like, I was just, like, skipping through, trying to figure out where I was in the chapter and fell on that that exact quote <laughs> that you just read. Uh-huh. And I was like, maybe I need to reread this because I don't remember this ch- <laughs> chapter being anything about Spiegel's. <sighs>
1: Yeah, so that was weird. That was a weird departure from the narrative of this book, and like that. I feel like he specifically requested
0: that that arc, artwork be made. Yeah, <laughs> and he was just, and I was like, just like no, the, the seagulls. Yeah, the,
1: this is like a recurring theme in this book, where like we have a thing going and we have narrative happening, and then Lewis just breaks into it and he's just like, "Let's go over here now for just a minute, and then we'll come back." And it's really jarring every time that it happens.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then we have the coronation.
0: We do. We have Aslan crown all four of the children as high kings and queens. And everyone shouts out. Also, okay, I underlined this in my book. It says that they are crowned in front of all of their friends. They've been in Narnia for less than a week. Heck of a week it's been, though.
1: They've they've done a lot of stuff. They
0: got to Narnia. (laughs) They Uh discovered that Tumnus's house had been broken into, and they spend one night (laughs) with
1: the the beavers.
0: They spend one night uh, outside of the stone table while Aslan is dying, Uh and they spend question mark nights getting to care Paravel. Mm -hmm. So, like at at minimum, they've been here. For three nights, four days. At max, they might have been here for a week. Yeah. And they're talking about being introduced in front of all of their friends. Mm-hmm. Like, Tumnus is the only one Lucy has known longer, slightly longer than a week. Yeah. And she's seen him two other times besides now. And that's it. Like, I, I I don't know. There like, was
1: that bird that led them to the beavers. Well, there we are, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. We have Tumnus. Yes, we have. Those
0: are their friends, Mister and Missus Beaver, and Tumnus. I mean,
1: Rumble Buffin could be a friend at this point.
0: Could be eventually, yeah. But like, <laughs> we're we're saying that like, like there was actually no formal introduction between Peter and Edmund with Rumble Buffin or anyone, or even the lion that Edmund drew the glasses on. Yeah, like, or the dwarf, or any of them. <laughs> like, the, the, they. As, as well as you make friends while traveling, which I fully acknowledge is a really good time to make friends, and wow. I have made some great friends traveling. But we also are talking about four children who just got crowned king and queen of a land that they've only been in for a week. Like, they still don't even know the full range of creatures that live here and are sentient, as opposed to which aren't. Like, yeah. I feel like... Putting this whole world into the hands of these children is, like, a really bad choice to make. (laughs) But also, like, being like, they were crowned in front of all their friends. No, they weren't. (laughs) Their friends are at school in London being bombed. Like.
1: Wow. (laughs) Well, this went out to a dark place, didn't it?
0: I mean, (laughs) it is a dark place. Like, that's what they're escaping from into Narnia. Like, if you Mm -hmm. look at this story as this is an actual imaginary world that they escaped from the trauma of war into, Uh they escaped into a traumatic war that they could win with a lion jumping out and then cure all of their wounded and become kings and queens in a week. Like, it is more fantastical than it gives itself credit for. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I think yeah. I'm done ranting. It's, that might be, no, I, I've got, I don't, I've got another one in there.
1: Uh-huh, I'm sure you do. Uh, so we get, uh, crowned, uh, get coronated. That's the word for it. Uh, once a king in Narnia, always a king or queen, apparently. Uh, do do. Then we have a reward ceremony or award ceremony and an honor ceremony where we meet all the friends, like Tumnus, and the Beavers. Giant rubble buffins Apparently the leopards, the good centaurs, the good dwarfs, and to the lion. They it, get they get honors for yeah, some we reason. Honors. We didn't really hear about half of those. Yeah. Uh, and that night there was a great feast in Caraparavel, and revelry and dancing, and gold flashed and wine flowed. Whoa. These children are having a wild party.
0: They are. <laughs> and Aslan just disappears. Yep, he just takes off. And the kids didn't say anything about it because... Mm. Mr. Beaver warned them.
1: Yeah. He just, he don't like being tied down. He doesn't. Apparently. Maybe, you know, because he
0: got tied to that stone table, so he really just doesn't like being tied down.
1: Mm. A... <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> uh, so Aslan disappears, and that's the last we see of him. He is gone. He has exited the book, stage left. We don't see him leave. And then we do a time skip.
0: Yes. And then suddenly they are, have been... You found, you found a sentence that used the word happiness.
1: Uh, do, 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 do. The two queens and two queens govern Narnia well and long and happy was their reign.
0: Yes. Long and well and happy. In the sentence I chose, it was... Um, so they lived in great joy... And if ever they remembered their life here, it was only as one remembers a dream. Which I think lends more to my idea of them escaping the bombings in London and World War II trauma uh, over actually having gone to Narnia. But anyway, that can be discussed at another time. But we both uh, found sentences that described their rule as king and queen as joyful and happy. Which is... A direct swing opposite from the witch. Correct. In this winter and it morning, a, and they couldn't even have a Christmas dinner.
1: It was the spring. Maybe they got Christmas. I don't know. We never talked about Christmas coming back, except for, you know, Father Christmas showing up. Uh, we never have another Christmas, apparently. Uh, Maybe. Not...
0: <laughs> Maybe not. We don't know.
1: and no, so It talks a little bit about uh, what happens during the rain, and there's a lot of stuff uh, that, you know... Oh, they track down and murder all the witches' cronies, which is kind of <laughs> happy part of the reign. Uh, and they d- 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 drive back the giants. The unfriendly giants, not like the buffins. They drive back the giants. But there is one thing that I wanted to uh, get into a little bit, which was uh, this line. And they made good laws and kept the peace and saved good trees from being unnecessarily cut down. Forget the bad trees.
0: So, ecology...
1: And liberated young dwarfs and young satyrs from being sent to school.
0: So, (laughs) down with the established educational Uh system.
1: And generally stopped busybodies and interferers and encouraged ordinary people who wanted to live and let live. So, I
0: want (laughs) to own my guns?
1: (laughs) So, at best, uh, they're extreme libertarians. Uh, At worst, this is like a full anarchist uh, government. (laughs) Where they're just like, No, you govern yourselves, you do what you want to do, you know. No, we don't want to educate the dwarfs and the satyrs. They could take them out of school. We're shutting the schools down. Like
0: <laughs> But they ugh. were liberated from school. Liberated
1: from school. And like there's so much wrapped up in that line, which I feel like Because Lewis... the
0: witch alright, let's talk about what the witch did for Narnia. Uh-huh. She ruled Narnia, yes, with an with a stone scepter. But uh-huh. she had she had an established place of authority that everyone respected. Uh-huh. Um people <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't keep a straight face and do this. Okay. But-
1: Thought you were going somewhere there. But
0: clearly she established some kind of educational system yep. if the <laughs> if if the kids are liberating yep. the dwarves and satters from it. Like, no. Like that is so upsetting. Like Christina's gonna have words (laughs) about that I assure you
1: probably uh yeah I I find that that that's an interesting footnote in their career uh and yeah we got everybody out of school and uh you know live who let stopping busybodies that's a really loaded term I guess like people who you know want there to be some sort of oversight or regulation and you're just (laughs) like nope You guys get out of here. You want to make
0: me wear a mask? uh,
1: There were lots of state visits. Uh, A lot of people wanted to marry the ladies, apparently. We don't talk about the guys, but, like, Lucy and Susan got a lot of suitors. Yeah, well, that's because women
0: are just political capital. (laughs) Don't laugh like you don't (laughs) know that it is seriously the take that is coming in here. Like, Mm -hmm. that is exactly what this is intended to communicate.
1: Uh, Basically, yeah. Uh
0: Mm Uh-huh. I'm not wrong. Oh. You think it's funny it's It not, is not I, I,
1: That's an uncomfortable laughter It's not funny Okay uh, Do you have anything further to say about that? Or, no, uh, okay. I just
0: want everyone to be well aware
1: <sighs> That's a thing um, Yeah, and we talk about This is really the first time we talk about Other people from across the sea mm-hmm. uh, And they show up and they send ambassadors and whatnot And who knows where they were for the witch's entire reign were
0: like, they Are they human? Are they giants? Are they dwarves? Who knows? The, the, we don't really say. Ooh, also another thing about giants. The witch had giant-ish blood in her. Mm-hmm. And so we have this whole thing about the the good giants versus the terrible evil giants that they have to run off. Yep. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> uh,
1: so they we get their full titles. Uh, we have Susan the Gentle and Edmund the Just and Lucy the, the Valiant and Peter the Magnificent. And we figure out why those titles apply to them and what they do to it That was a very earlier discussion we had in the podcast we, yes. when we brought up the titles and we were like, why do they have these things? <laughs> I wrote this them on kind of this a... one
0: 3 by 5 card that has been sitting here for three months.
1: <laughs> and uh, this is kind of a little blurb as to why they get those titles in the first place.
0: In the last place, if you will.
1: Uh, and then we come to the, the titular events of the chapter, which kind of come out of left field. I, I guess well, they-
0: Tumnus came and told them that the white stag had returned. Yep, and everyone knows that if you catch the white stag, it'll grant you wishes. That, does everybody know that? Is that I, like another I don't know. prophecy? Is what, that enough? Another- <laughs> is this something you did research on? Because I was really hoping you would do research to the lore of it. That's uh, why I asked at the beginning. I,
1: I can top stop the podcast and do research right now if you'd like.
0: The White Stag is a book that was yes. written by Kate Seardy that was published.
1: Yeah, which is 13 a fictional years before. Like a this, fictional account of the Mongol Empire. Like it's a
0: Yes, but it is telling <sighs> a a story that is actually like talking about the Huns and the Magyars and the and Attila the Hun. Like yeah.
1: it's it's such a generalized thing that I would I wouldn't even go so far as to say they're related, probably. Like
0: It absolutely is.
1: Okay. And you connect
0: it. Okay. <sighs> in in the, in the story of the white stag as it was told Um, at the, after the fall of the biblical tower of Babel, Nimrod's waiting for his sons to return because they went away seven months ago to follow this white stag
1: Uh
0: and, um, Nimrod had to basically like make a call to his God in order to get the kids to return. Uh We're talking about a parallel here where the kids have run off to follow this white stag, leaving their kingdom essentially leaderless. Uh And they are going to pursue this white stag to the ultimate loss of leadership of Narnia. Which is what happens in this story where these two sons of Nimrod return and realize that one of them has to take over the leadership of the people. And essentially lead their people off in search of the white stag and forever are pursuing this goal. Like this... That... Yeah. it's very I mean, it's very relevant to this story. Yeah, like it seems it like is, a non- it is, no, it's an illusion because what is happening here is these kids of Aslan are following this white stag off into nowhere, and they're leaving Narnia leaderless. They're going to disappear from Narnia, and mm-hmm. they are going to become Narnia's history.
1: Apparently, starts the Dark Age of Narnia,
0: if you will. Yes, but um, according to the wiki, yes. <laughs> um. Don't spoil things, (laughs) Uh but we have very much this kind of um, allusion to this structure of authority loss Uh within a culture like this. Yeah. So, no, like, it's very relevant. If you know the allusion, the literary allusion to the white stag, you know that this can be a sign of a transition of leadership to darkness.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm sorry I like (laughs) literature. And I feel like it's relevant to discuss these things.
1: No, I just, I wasn't prepared for that depth that you were going to bring to it. So I don't have anything like in the front of my mind to be like, yeah, let's talk about that. Like, I was not expecting you to go there. Thank you. You're welcome. For bringing that up. Uh, I did find apparently an interesting fan theory uh, that...
0: Aslan's the White Stag?
1: People think Aslan is the White Stag.
0: Leading them away.
1: Yeah, because they'd done all they came to do.
0: And taking them away.
1: And he's just like, get out of here, children. Get gone. So, I don't know if I buy into that.
0: Can we also talk about how the children don't remember their lives here? (laughs) (laughs) It's like the one
1: between the worlds thing. Yeah, but... Apparently.
0: Yeah, but no. It's weird. You turned
1: 30 last year. Like, you remember when you turned 30 and you forgot the first 15 years of your life?
0: No, because I (laughs) forgot the first five years of my life when I turned seven, like, <laughs> I, I, have, I have notoriously poor memory of anything in my life from longer than about an hour ago.
1: Yet you tell me so many stories about your childhood.
0: I, because they're the only ones that I know, so I tell them over and over again so that I don't forget them.
1: <laughs> anyway... Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's this weird thing that uh, that apparently happens where they're like they completely forget about everything about how they came to Narnia, where they came from, who they are, which is kind of scary when you think about it, um, and it gives Narnia kind of this weird otherworldly quality, like the wood between the worlds has, where if you spend long enough there, that's where you think you're from there, yeah, and like you.
0: But we also have an example of someone on the other side. Professor Kirk, uh-huh. not having forgotten being to Narnia, yeah. never having gone back to Narnia after being a child, Yep. so confident that these kids are going to go back to Narnia. Yep. He's like, no, you're going back to Narnia. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I couldn't go back, but I didn't Don't. need
1: to. He was trying too hard to make it happen. Apparently. You can't try to make it happen. Whatever.
0: But like, <laughs> he clearly remembers the impact that this had on his life when he was a child. Yep. Maybe it's just because it saved his mother's life, but you know, spoilers for the magician's nephew if you didn't listen to the first half of our podcast. And
1: how could you? Um, But yeah, we go on this hunt for the white stag and we have a big show of, you know, all of the the kids are grown up now and they talk in very like
0: royal royal.
1: flowery kind of high English uh, kinds of things.
0: Which, as like, a linguist, that <laughs> does not make sense.
1: And, it, you know, they grow up, and it's all like, Madam, said King Edmund, if you look well upon it, you shall see it as a pillar of iron with a lantern set on the top thereof. like Yes. <laughs> like that kind of thing. <sighs> Which, okay.
0: I like, mean, I get, it's showing that they're <laughs> royal, and they've adapted to they've their role. And, you know, they still don't want any of the dwarves or satyrs in school, but... Yeah, yeah, like they, they learn didn't learn go to, to school. Talk.
1: Like who who taught them like yeah. this? These rules of English that they weren't aware
0: they of. They, yeah, they ended school at whatever <laughs> grade they got to yeah. Narnia in. They're all at a different level of education. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's a great question.
0: It is, isn't
1: it? And then we have this fun curse. It's like by the lion's mane. A strange device, said King Peter. Uh, <laughs> by the lion's mane is apparently a thing.
0: No, I mean it's it is an equi- it's a direct equivalent of by his blood or bloody. Uh-huh. Like, it is a direct equivalent to that.
1: I guess you could say that, yeah. I was gonna say, like, if we had an equivalent that was, like, by God's beard! Uh, no, no, you know? no,
0: because it, it like, it's... Yes. it's yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: I know, but I was trying to make it funny. By Odin's beard. Yeah. It's good. Let's, let's go back into Norse mythology in these books. I know. Uh, and we have I to say... See,
0: I say by Odin's beard.
1: We we don't actually and find And by it. the
0: great and merciful beard of Billy Madden.
1: We don't actually find the stag, but let's play for a second in this space and say, if they had found the stag, what are they hoping for?
0: What are like, their wishes going to be?
1: Like, they have everything they want. Like, they their kingdom is prosperous. Yeah, Everything's going let's well. let's talk
0: about their privilege. <laughs> Hi, we're kings and queens of Narnia. We've been kings and queens, happily ruling. Our people love us. We have run out of enemies to fight. Uh-huh. So we are literally just going to go look for more stuff. We want yeah. to go hunt this mythical creature that will give us wishes.
1: Yeah, Which, I mean, seems promising, and it's something that if somebody, if somebody presented this opportunity to me, I would take it, but at the same time... I okay,
0: f- but you, <laughs> you might take it. If Trump goes and gets it first because he has more resources, that's privilege. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: You're talking
0: about two kings and two queens who are like, well, we are the most adept and the best suited to take these wishes away from someone else.
1: Here's my conspiracy theory. Uh, is the, T- Tumnus approaches them and is like, hey, the white stag has been seen in these parts. Uh, Tumnus has already found the white stag. And the wish that he made was, I want these people out of freaking Narnia. I'm <laughs> done with them. And the stag is just like, uh, yeah, sure. Tell him I'm out here. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure it gets it done. Bring him out. And... <laughs> And I like that. <laughs>
0: Tum- it, it, Tumnus went from being a perfectly happy little fawn who got to play his pipe and, and make his cakes.
1: Yep. And now he's just, yep, he's done. His toast.
0: Make all of his toast.
1: Yep. So... He's n- just
0: over it. He's like, Lucy doesn't give me toast. <laughs> I gave her so much toast. Uh, so
1: yeah, and... In the course of hunting for the white stag, we don't find the white stag, but they do find the lamppost, which they barely remember and have to work really hard at remembering the lamppost.
0: And they don't (laughs) even really remember it until they're in the path of the wardrobe. Yeah. Where they're crawling through the thicket into the back of the wardrobe.
1: Yes. and they. It's like,
0: oh, and then they remember that thing was called the lamppost. And, Mm -hmm. oh, then they remember that these things they're brushing against are... Not branches, but... And
1: then we break all the laws of time and space. Yes. Um.
0: And they stumble out, children, in the same clothes they were in. No, the coats didn't come back. (laughs) Don't ask. They're back in the clothes that they long ago changed (laughs) out of and left somewhere in Narnia with the coats. Yep. That they also now don't have. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Like... Anyway, it's picking and choosing what they get back, but yeah. whatever. Otherwise, they wouldn't have any reason to ever go tell Professor Kirk yeah, and come clean about this Narnia thing.
1: Uh, and it, it irks me because it's the story is told very much in such a way where it's it's not supposed to be. Oh, this was all like the children's imagination, or this was like a dream type thing. But it really like it implies that heavily. When they come out of the regiment, oh, they're wearing the same clothes and they haven't aged a day. And, and like, MacReady
0: is still giving the tour.
1: Yeah, and it's been the exact moment they left. And like, I don't know.
0: Except <laughs> that the coats are gone.
1: And the coats are gone. So we have proven that this happened. Yep. And I don't know, it's just, it, it's, it, I wanted to pause here and just talk about how weird this is going to be. Because like at this point, you have the kids back, they're in the normal bodies, normal ages and whatnot. And, you know, we have Peter, who's the oldest, he's whatever, like, 15 or so. And yet, all of them have now spent 20 years being the rulers of a nation, and, like, having all of these uh, people looking up to them, and making command decisions, and entertaining visiting dignitaries, and whatnot. And so, mentally, they have matured far beyond any of their peers, and anybody they could possibly relate to who was their age. And so they are now in this place where they're trapped in the bodies of children, but mentally very much adults and adults that had a lot of power. And now they were back to being children with like nothing. And so that's like, I don't know. That's got to screw a kid up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I definitely, when you talk about how once a king and queen of Narnia, always a king and queen of Narnia. Yeah. But further to 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 I'm trying so hard not to spoil other books for people who haven't read them. Okay. But.
1: Spoiler alert.
0: To avoid spoilers for the book Prince Caspian, please skip to minute 47 and 15 seconds. They, I believe all of them will return to Narnia at a different age. But still younger than they were when they left Narnia as kings and queens. So, like, in in the, the next book published, uh-huh. all four of them go back to Narnia, like, a year, two years later. Where they're all slightly older, and they go back to Narnia, and it's been a hundred years or however long. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Someone. And that's when they go back, and they're there, and they're referred to as the high kings and queens who had been high kings and queens and they're not anymore like they're they've had memories of full lives there and they don't anymore
1: Uh uh-huh
0: and spoiler
1: yeah uh this is the end of the spoilers this is the end of the spoilers if you're hunting around for it no um
0: (laughs) i was gonna put in a little record that Ah. said pick back up at this minute
1: okay well you could do that too um, so yeah, they're back. They have a conversation. But yeah,
0: that's definitely gotta mess you up. But yeah, anyway. And then they have a conversation with, with old Kirk. Diggory. With old Diggory Kirk.
1: Yeah. Uh, and they're just like, well, let's talk about stuff that happens. And then Diggory's like, you should probably, you, you shouldn't talk about this stuff anymore. Like, not even amongst yourselves. Like, n- sh- don't, don't, don't talk about it. If you talk about it, Narnia will hear you. And I'll let it's, you back in.
0: It's weird that he, <laughs> it's really weird that he... Uh, once again, we're not talking about things. Uh-huh. We're not talking about things that could be very traumatic because they became kings and queens. They battled giants, they battled all of these hags and werewolves and things yep. like that. and they hunt they they were these great kings and queens leading these great royal lives where they were literally so well off that they had time to go hunt for more wishes. And they came back here as children, still in wartime, still and and more impotent than ever. Uh-huh. Like they have now tasted what it's like to have power in a war setting, and they don't. They are stripped of all of their power and authority. And Diggory's just like, "No, don't talk about it." Uh huh. Or Professor Kirk, don't talk about it. Yep. So. So like, why? <laughs> Why would you encourage children not to process through what happened in their lives? They've talk, lived years of time.
1: You talk about it too much and Narnie won't let you back in. Also, you can't try to make it happen. But you'll see weird stuff that'll let you know that maybe you're getting close again.
0: No, that other people have been there. Uh-huh. <sighs> it leaves a mark on a person.
1: Okay. Do they? Another spoiler alert. Do they ever meet people who have also been there?
0: They go there with other people cool and so they never just like meet someone and say oh that person must have been there
1: yeah um so that's the chapter that's the end of the book uh they all go back at some point not the end of the adventures and we're left there that's an interesting place to end on but here we are
0: yep what's the last uh Two sentences, the last little paragraph that we have in the book.
1: The last little bit of the book. We can go ahead and read that, Sinus-ed I guess. out with that. A nice little end capper. And that is the very end of the adventure of the wardrobe. But if the professor was right, it was only the beginning of the adventures in Narnia.
0: So the wardrobe's done.
1: Doesn't work anymore.
0: Lion, witch, wardrobe. Witch is dead. Wardrobe's apparently dead. <laughs> so we'll see if we see that lion again.
1: Yep who does uh, so yeah bef- I, well, I I have a lot of final thoughts before we get there why don't we go ahead and jump into our rewrite section uh, Narnia chopped and screwed uh, in this section we go through pick out five more sentences in the chapter and rearrange them to tell our own story
0: Narnia cobbler
1: uh, <laughs> trying to make that thing happen aren't you
0: the Narnia punchbowl <laughs>
1: All your metaphors are with food. Yes. Um, <laughs> a fusion buffet and punch bowl and cobbler. There's a theme here. Uh, you have
0: finally figured it out, <laughs> sir. I'll have to choose a new theme for the next book.
1: Yep. Uh, so anyway, since you went and read your summary first, I'll go ahead and do my rewrite first. Mine, uh, I had fun with. I, I, I was going to try to do something bigger and more epic for like the last rewrite of the book, but then I was like, eh, there's not a lot of good sentences for this. Okay. And so I barely rewrote the order of these sentences at all. I just changed the tone of it. And I think I'm, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. So here we go. It was all Edmund's doing, Aslan, Peter was saying. He was covered in blood. His mouth was open and his face a nasty green color. And then almost for the first time... Lucy remembered the precious cordial that had been given her for a Christmas present. Madame, said King Edmund, the like foreboding stirreth in my heart also. Yes, I know, said Lucy crossly. Okay. Uh, And this was just a little scene about finding Edmund drunk off of cordial. And that. (laughs) Alright. And he, he is drunkenly talking like a. Nobleman. I see. That's That was the idea. Okay, okay. okay.
0: <laughs> I'm tracking with you now. Yeah. <laughs> um, you and I chose the sentence in common. Woo!
1: Okay.
0: All right. Keep your eyes open. Must more people die for Edmund? Madame, said King Edmund, the like foreboding stirreth in my heart also. It'll happen when you're not looking for it. He was called Edmund the Just.
1: Ooh, a little dark and mysterious. Yeah. Giving some depth to Edmund's character. Yeah. What What's he doing in the shadows? Who
0: knows? Uh, but maybe he's dead. I okay. don't know. I'm
1: getting drunk on cordial. Um. <laughs> anyway, so those are our rewrites. Uh, so let's go ahead and, and finish this out with our review of the chapter. Or review, I'm, uh, we are not doing the review of the whole book yet. That's going to be next week's episode. We're going to have a very, very special guest on for... The next one where we'll talk about the book as a whole and maybe get into another weird Star Wars rant or something. Who knows? We go
0: oh, no. interesting
1: places with this.
0: Maybe we'll just talk about music the whole time <laughs> and forget this book.
1: Uh, possibly. But let's talk about this chapter really quick. Kristen, what are we rating this on? Metric? Sure. Um, <laughs> <Sorry>. Try again. <laughs> And really cracked herself up right there She thinks this is hilarious Usually what we do is we rate on no, a 1 no, to 5 no, 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 stars Just
0: ask me again
1: Kristen what are we rating this on?
0: What are we rating this on? Mm-hmm. Alright so I think That we should either Choose stone statues Okay um, Horns of white stags Okay um, Or s- Something Else <laughs>
1: Wow, that really narrows the list down.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I didn't actually think about it on this one. I forgot. That I was gonna this say like my job.
1: drops of cordial, or something like that. Peacock feathers. Peacock feathers. Okay. How
0: about go. how about, um, <laughs> uh, big game creatures that have been poached by the kings and queens? I like because peacock feathers. The ceilings covered in ivory. Uh There's peacock feathers all over the wall. And then they go hunting for the white stag.
1: Yeah. Um, So. Let's, uh, I'll do something there. (laughs) So, I mean, this is... Very much the most plot filled chapter of the entire book. Uh, we have more things happen here than we have in.
0: Pretty much the entire book.
1: And in, in any other co- I was going to say any other collection of like three chapters that you can take out of the book anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and a lot goes down. We finish the battle, we have coronation, we have awards, and Paraparavel, par- prophecies are fulfilled, Aslan leaves, like a lot of stuff happens. And I feel like it does a good job of conveying all of this stuff happening and. It...
0: Why couldn't he make the whole book this, like, <laughs> rich?
1: Yeah, and in a way that's, uh, that kind of packages everything nicely. We don't really leave any loose ends, I don't think, which is, is good. Uh, I, I tried to think of one, but I think we wrap up pretty much everything, and everybody has an epilogue, and everybody gets a little little sprinkling of salt to finish off their dish, if you were.
0: I mean, we never find out what Mrs. Beaver makes on her brand new sewing machine. We but. don't.
1: Um, but, anywho, uh, yeah, there's only a couple things that I really don't like about this chapter. Like like I said, the weird fugue state that Lewis goes into about the seagulls. <laughs> um, the fact that the title is called Hunting for the White Stag, The Hunt for the White Stag, and that's, like, the most inconsequential thing that happens here.
0: Except that it's not.
1: Except, I mean, it, it's it what the leads cl- them back home,
0: yes. It's the closure of their time as kings and queens. It is It is metaphorical. It's representative of this <laughs> leaderlessness that Narnia is about to enter into. Like, yeah. it's a lot if you actually read into the literary illusion of it.
1: Yeah. Um. So maybe that's not a valid criticism.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, I... The only other thing I could I could really say that's negative about this chapter is like I don't like the like the exit stage left of Aslan where he just kinda of slinks off and doesn't say goodbye or anything. He, he just has got, other he just,
0: worlds to look at. He's after. just gone.
1: I'm like and I feel like for a character as important as Aslan was supposed to be, and rereading this book again, I'm gonna go ahead and say I disagree with Steve here, where, you know, we can't focus on Aslan in the rest of the book because once Aslan shows up the story's about him and he's too OP and et cetera, et cetera. And it's not. It's really not. Because Aslan
0: gets one chapter Gets
1: one chapter where he really does stuff And a couple other mentions and then he kind of disappears Like he does not become the focus Of the book in any way And that was what I was a little bit sad about Is that we, once he's finally starting to do Stuff and become kind of a cool character He just kind of disappears without any fanfare And he's gone And I don't know I, I, It was a bad way for him to go out in my opinion Overall though I'd say good chapter Wraps up the book really well um, I still am not hugely uh a fan of the book as a whole, but we'll get into that a lot next week. uh, but overall, this chapter, let's go four and a half peacock feathers out of five. Wow, yeah,
0: Wow. Yeah, you liked this one. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a good wrap up.
0: Wow, I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. I give this chapter uh, the eastern door, which looks towards the sea. Cool. That's it.
1: It's a very poetic metaphor.
0: Maybe some seagulls. All right. Well, you want to take us out? Maybe a flock of seagulls.
1: <laughs> you want to sign us out?
0: I, well, thank you so much for putting up with this, um, ranty episode of ours. Thank you for joining us and for, um, following along in our ramblings. No, I don't want to take us out. I can't do it. Um, so, Go ahead. so,
1: yeah, uh, if you want to contact us with your thoughts, opinions, your rewrites, anything like that, uh, your criticisms of the way that we just tear into Lewis this entire book, <laughs> you can find us on Chronically Podcast, at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter. You can email us at chronicallypodcast@gmail.com. Your fan heart of mm, a ceiling full of peacock feathers.
0: No, the ceiling's covered in ivory.
1: Oh, well, the, something the wall
0: is covered in peacock
1: feathers. Critter parts, just,
0: Whoa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just collection. That, of I'm not. Hunting you can tro- check the email for the next <laughs> week. Hunting trophies. Um, let's go with that. Whatever. Uh, and like I said, next week we're going to be on with a special guest. We're going to wrap this whole thing up, and then we're going to jump right into the next book, which is.
0: Uh, we need to discuss that.
1: Uh, because
0: like, <laughs> the next book, is. The horse and his boy if you're reading them in story order which we have been reading yes and it might be a nice break for us to do that
1: i thought we were reading in chronological order
0: Chron- story chronological yes it would be the horse and his boy yeah but like writing order uh-huh we could okay fine okay the next cool. <laughs> one we're doing is the horse and his boy apparently we've decided
1: that. you've heard it here full- for, for yeah you heard it here first folks Uh, And all that being said, uh,
0: we hope that you had a really nice Mother's Day. Don't close yourself in any wardrobes. And don't forget to wipe your swords. Cheers. so sorry. Uh, can no, we just no, no, no. redo that no. where I didn't see that?
1: No, sorry. This is good, this is good radio. Um, no, it's
0: not. Yep.
1: Maybe this will go slightly better and that happens and yet they're apparently they still almost lost because at that point enough of them were stoned. <laughs>
0: do not tell me what I can and cannot do when I rock. Seventeen weeks. Yeah, eighteen if you count that one week off we took because of Corona.
1: Yep. almost four months. Man, if this that was a pregnancy, we'd be like halfway through the term.
0: That's one way of looking at it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I double taked it. That double took. Double took. Is that what's the press? You you press, had a double take. Double take at that line when I first saw it. You think. They-
0: do you actually feel as though your freedoms are being encroached upon? Are we starting over? Uh, I don't know.
1: You still can't go out and have a beer, though.
0: That's disappointing.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, we're describing the pools of salt water and seaweed, bluish green waves, and oh, the cry of the seagulls. Have you heard it? Do you remember? <laughs> I'm like, are you are you asking me if you if I know what seagulls sound like? <laughs> I'm like.